0: In the name of God, Creator, Redeemer, and Giver of Life. Amen. Good morning. Beautiful to see you here. Today's a big day for me, uh, as many of you know. Thanks to the Church Pension Fund and the miracle of compound interest, I am officially retiring at the end of this service. I'm hanging up my stole, turning in my keys and donating 307 pounds of books to a seminary in the Congo. It has been 11,905 days since the sunny June morning in Boston when I was ordained. That was a big day for me, and so is today. Today is also a big day for Rafaela. Rosina Carrillo, a a one-and-a-half-year-old baby who we will be baptizing in just a few minutes. Raphael goes by the super cool name of Rafa. I can imagine Jesus just savoring that name, rolling it around in his mouth, Rafa, getting ready to whisper that name into her ear when we baptize her. So congratulations to Rafa. Where is she, by the way? There he is. eh? And to her parents, Matthew and Liz. uh, Big day for you as well. And in the tradition of the church, today's a big day for Jesus too, because today's the day we celebrate his baptism as well. All this excitement's got me thinking about threshold moments. You know, those big moments in your life when everything changes. One day you're strolling along thinking how cool you are to be an atheist. You know, how smart and intellectual you are. And then something life-altering occurs and all of a sudden you're not cool anymore. And you don't care because you have suddenly fallen in love with God. That happened to me. One winter morning 50 years ago, I was 16 years old. I woke up from a dream sobbing with joy. In the dream, this magnificent divine being in the form of an enormous white horse came to me. It was a being so powerful and so loving that 50 years later, just the glimpse of a white horse transports me back to those to that dream that dream also had a lot of hitchhiking in it and uh, so the summer after i had that dream i followed its promptings and hitchhiked from minnesota to california and oregon searching for a spiritual community i was looking for someone who could show me where to find that enormous white horse and one morning I was, I was by the side of the road hitchhiking from Cannon Beach to Portland when I was swept up in this whirlwind of joyful, life-giving love. For about four hours I was given a physical experience of a, perf- a perfectly harmonious, loving universe vibrating through me and carrying me along that was the day I devoted my life to serving that source of divine whirlwind. And so it f- seems fitting now to acknowledge that power and those threshold moments that, um, that can change our lives. These threshold moments can come in you know, a variety of shapes and sizes, of course. For me, it's taken the form of a still, quiet voice in the middle of the night and of a blazing apparition by an angel of mercy. It's taken the form of a deep depression healed in an instant and in the form of a despair and a loneliness so severe that it just crushed my worldview and opened me to a new, bigger reality. It's happened in the midst of sleepy rituals performed in old, dusty churches and in an ICU in a busy hospital. Not all threshold moments have been pleasant for me. Sometimes I've been made to face my treasured delusions, my desperate rationalizations. But always in the end, the threshold moments of my life have delivered a cargo of love always eventually god's grace has announced itself like a symphony of tubas and always i've been brought home to this simple original face of blessing the undeserved unearned grace-filled love that heals and consoles and reassures six years ago i was walking through the mission district in san francisco uh, rainy afternoon and my cell phone rang and it was Nathan inviting me to join his staff here at Trinity. Another threshold moment. At that point in my career I was pretty sure I was done with parish ministry. I'd gotten so discouraged from my 12 years as a rector of a troubled parish in Northern California that I could not imagine going back into a parish. But then Nathan described to me the perfect job. (laughs) Canon for spiritual formation. And every day since that day, I've been pinching myself with my good fortune. This job has been the most satisfying experience of my professional life. And it's because of you. It's your love and your support that has proven to me time and again that our God is a God of boundless mercy. It's something I will never fully understand as to why, but I simply cannot argue with the fact that God seems to have found me worthy of this enormous privilege. I mean, look at this, standing up here, talking to you, ridiculous. (laughs) I honestly don't get what she sees in me, but there it is. And that's another feature of these threshold moments. Very often, they have you saying things like, I'm not worthy. When Isaiah was lifted up to the celestial realm and given a glimpse of the divine, that was was all he could say. Woe is me, he said, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Modern people hear that story and they think, oh, poor Isaiah. He must have had low (laughs) self-esteem. And they missed the point entirely. It's like when you look out your kitchen window and you see a tornado bearing down on your house. You're immediately made aware of how small and vulnerable you are. The divine can reveal itself like that, like, like the Psalm that was appointed for today, Psalm 29. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon The voice of the Lord makes the oak trees writhe and strips the forests bare. And in the temple of the Lord, all are crying glory. In the presence of that power, we can feel reduced to a tiny mote of dust. We find ourselves saying things like, wretched sinner that I am, Not because we're thinking of all the bad things we've done in our life, but rather because in the presence of this holy other, this mysterium tremendum, as Rudolf Otto called it, we cannot help but feel categorically minuscule by comparison. And in the temple of the Lord, all are crying glory. In our gospel reading this morning, and yes, I I was going to get there. I'm, I'm getting there now. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And we hear the Baptist's famous protest. He says, no, I need to be baptized by you. In other words, I am not worthy. I love how Jesus doesn't argue with John the Baptist. He just says, let it be so now. There's a wonderful kind of vagueness in that reply, isn't there? Let it be so now. Jesus does not say, oh, dude, stop beating up on yourself. You really need to work on your positive affirmations. And nor did he say, oh, but John, you are worthy to baptize me, me, the Messiah, the Son of God the incarnate God above all gods, the one true God in human flesh, through whom all things were made. No, really, you are totally worthy. <laughs> Jesus didn't say anything like that. He didn't argue. He didn't try to solve the theological riddle of it. He just said, let it be. For reasons we cannot fathom and which have nothing to do with our worthiness, We are invited into this dance with the Holy One, the creator of heaven and earth. If we don't feel a profound, soul-shaking sense of awe and humility, we're simply not paying attention. There's no arguing with the one who invites you to the dance, there's no accounting for why she chose you, and no amount of good deeds will ever make you worthy. All you can do is say, let it be. This is how I feel about the privilege of serving you as your priest. I'm not worthy. Frankly, it blows my mind that I'm here, and yet I know my job has been to accept this incredible gift, and so I do, and I let it be with profound gratitude. Now, I just need to say one more thing, if you'll indulge me, Many times over these past five years, I've found myself all dressed up in my fancy vestments and processing down this center aisle, singing one of our old hymns. And Nathan has been walking by my side. He's uh, next door, by the way, in Kempton Hall with the uh, worship in the commons. But he heard me say this at the eight o'clock, so it was good. And um, as usual, you know, I'll be processing down, I'll have my nose in the hymnal, bellowing out the melody line, always with more enthusiasm than skill. And then when we get to the second verse, Nathan will inevitably break into harmony with the tenor part. And for a moment, despite my own mediocrity as a singer, we would actually sound kind of (laughs) good. I want you to know that's what it's like to work for Nathan. He employs his incredible talent not to elevate himself, but to elevate us, and in the process, the community. Nathan is, without a doubt, the most talented priest I've ever met, much less worked for. His talent is yoked in service to this community, and more than that, in service to to the beautiful, and the true, which is the best that our tradition has to offer. In the process, he has restored my faith in church. And for that, I am very grateful. There are dozens of other people I want to acknowledge right now and thanks, starting with my sweetheart Kelly right there, my best friend Chris right there, every one of you. If I start naming people now, this is going to go on forever. So suffice it to say, you know who you are. You know how we have connected. And I hope you cherish that connection as I do. And I hope you know this. Your love and support has meant the world to me. So thank you. Following uh, Jesus' advice, I will accept this gift and let it be. So now the time has come for us to move on to the most important part of this morning, the threshold moment that has arrived for Rafa as she moves through the sacrament of baptism. Let us welcome her into this community of saints, which is the body of Christ which is all of you sitting here in this present moment. And let us give God thanks and praise. Amen.